Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and in this podcast, I'm sharing my Sunday sermons from St. John's Lutheran Church, Palm Desert, California. I'm so grateful that you've joined us, and I trust that these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. What was the wrongdoing of Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol? What was so grievous that heavenly messengers called on him to change his ways? What brought so much misery for him and the people in his life? As the story indicates, it was not because he was a murderer or an adulterer, not because he was a thief or a liar, not for any reason our society today might consider a major breach of the moral code. It was because he had an abundance to share and he kept it all to himself. And how did those heavenly messengers change his life? How did Scrooge mend his ways? What brought so much joy at the end of the story? He gave his money, his time, his gifts, his resources himself for the good of others, increasing the salary of Bob Cratchit, paying for Tiny Tim's medical expenses, giving to help the poor in his community, joining his nephew and niece-in-law and family in Christmas celebration, appreciating the gift of every moment He became as good a friend, as good a man, as the good old city ever knew. Ebenezer Scrooge took to heart the lesson Jesus teaches in our gospel reading from Luke 12. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus offers this teaching as he is in the midst of his public ministry. He has been traveling throughout the region of Galilee, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, bringing diverse people together into community, preaching about life in the kingdom of God, mentoring disciples, and gathering crowds who are drawn to this teacher, this rabbi, who is giving his time, his gifts, himself, for the good of others. And as Jesus is speaking to the crowd, someone says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Sadly, these quarrels are not confined to the past. I know families, and I imagine you do as well, who broke apart over who gets what after the remaining parent passed. Brothers and sisters and cousins and their extended families who don't speak with each other anymore after bitter financial disputes. In this case, it's likely that the man who makes this request of Jesus is the younger of the two brothers. According to Jewish law in that time and place, the eldest brother received a double portion of the inheritance and manage the estate. And this younger brother wants a bigger cut. And it was customary 
to ask rabbis to settle these kinds of legal financial disputes. In sum, this man and his brother are fighting over who gets their deceased parents' stuff, and they want Jesus to decide between them. Jesus declines to judge between them. Instead, Jesus warns against fighting over stuff. Be careful, he says. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Defend your heart against the selfish and insatiable desire for more, more than what you need, more of what someone else has. Because, Jesus says, our life is not about money and the stuff it can buy. Our life is not in wealth. Our life is in God. Our relationships are infinitely more valuable than our possessions. And then Jesus tells a story known as the parable of the rich fool to illustrate this truth. A rich landowner has an abundant crop and builds bigger barns so he can keep it all to himself. And in doing so, he demonstrates selfishness, self-centeredness, the lack of concern for others. He doesn't even invite anybody else into the conversation. Using I and my 11 times, he speaks with himself about speaking to his own soul about his plan for his stuff. It seems he has no family, no friends, no community, no one with whom he can even share his conversation, let alone his abundance, let alone his life. Like Midas and his gold, like Gollum and his precious ring, like Ebenezer Scrooge before his change of heart, this man is alone with his possessions. And so he is alone. He demonstrates greed. It's not simply that his barns are full. It's that his full barns aren't enough. He has way more than he needs. And it doesn't occur to him to meet the needs of anyone else but himself. It doesn't occur to him to give from his abundance for the good of others. And it doesn't occur to him to be grateful, to give thanks to the God from whom all blessings flow, to recognize that every good gift comes from God, that the land, the grain, the soil and water and sunlight, the animals on his farm, the materials with which he will build his bigger barns are gifts that he did not create and cannot sustain on his own. He demonstrates short-sightedness. This rich man doesn't recognize what the author of Ecclesiastes laments, as we heard in our Old Testament reading. Our possessions do not give our life meaning, and they don't have meaning in the life to come. 
These worldly possessions are, as the author writes, vanity. The Hebrew word is habel, which means vapor, mist, breath, that which lacks substance, that does not last, which cannot carry the weight of meaning. Our life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. This rich man, and so Jesus says, it is with all those who keep all of their treasures for themselves and are not rich toward God. The rich man in this story exemplifies what it means to be poor toward God. The one who tells this story embodies what it means to be rich toward God. Jesus Christ, the God of all creation in the flesh, who gave from his immeasurable abundance for our good, he emptied himself and joined with us in our humanity. He came that we might have life and have life abundantly. He showed us and taught us how to live in the fullness of God's grace. He suffered along with us in this broken world. He gave his life on the cross to save us. He rose again from death to life to give us life eternal. And one day, he will make all things new, all things whole, all things well. Our life, now and forever, is in Christ. And we live our life in its fullness in relationship with God and with each other. Being rich toward God is trusting in Christ with the whole of our being, knowing that our very existence and all the good that comes with it is a gift, a magnificent gift from the God who made us and loves us forever, who cares for his whole creation, who holds us, who holds everyone in his steady, loving hands. As Rabbi Abraham Heschel puts it, just to be is a blessing. Just to live is holy. Whatever we may or may not possess, whatever we may or may not achieve, whatever we may or may not think, we are not alone. We are never alone. God is with us and for us forever. As Jesus teaches the disciples immediately after offering the parable of the rich fool. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or wear. Don't worry about your stuff. Trust God who knows your needs and cares for you and will provide. Martin Luther wrote that there are three incomparable benefits of faith. Faith unites us with Christ. And faith honors God. Trusting God demonstrates that we believe God is trustworthy, faithful, good. We praise God. 
in our reliance on him. And faith frees us from anxiety over our own life and salvation for loving and serving our neighbors, moves us from worries about ourselves to concern for others, inspires and empowers us to share our conversations, our abundance, our lives. Being rich toward God is giving for the good of others. Our money, our time, our gifts, our resources, ourselves. Not storing up ample goods so we can eat, drink, and be merry all by ourselves, but pouring out our ample goods so we can eat, drink, and be merry all together. Picture Ebenezer Scrooge's giddy joy on Christmas morning as he prepares to share his abundance with family and friends. When we truly recognize God's goodness to us, we can't help but share it with others. As Martin Luther wrote, God does not need our good works nor our wealth, but our neighbor does. Being rich toward God is investing in our relationships, building up treasure in heaven, setting our minds and hearts on the things that are above, as the Apostle Paul writes in our reading from Colossians. Kindness and compassion, patience and peace, gentleness and joy, things that are substantial, things that last, things that can bear the weight of meaning. As the storyteller Aesop said, no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Our toil under the sun to accumulate worldly possessions is vanity. Our labor in the Lord, doing his good work and sharing his good news is never in vain. The stuff that money buys is passing. The love we give and receive is forever. Bigger barns will not give our life meaning. Bigger hearts will. As Jesus teaches two brothers squabbling over the family inheritance, as Jesus teaches his disciples, as Jesus teaches us, don't value your stuff over your relationships. Your stuff won't last. Your loved ones will. Your stuff isn't important. Your loved ones are. Your stuff can't love you. Your loved ones can. Our life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Our life consists in the abundance of God, from whom all blessings flow, and who calls us to share his abundant blessings with each other. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
We're doing this every week, so make sure to subscribe. If you'd like more information about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.